Then you have your testing component to make sure that you actually are ready. And then you have your response uh, section when, when you deal with failures to security. Uh, and then over it, you have your governance mechanism. And all four, if they really operate well together, you know, uh, give you one whole. So how's that for evading your question? You make a great politician because you definitely didn't answer the question. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the Cyber Guys podcast, the cybersecurity podcast for everyone. My name is Andrew Valencia, and as always, I'm joined by Mike Hill. How are you doing? Hey man, so I think uh, today's topic is is kind of controversial in the uh, cybersecurity industry. Um, it really pits two sides against each other, and oftentimes, a lot of when people talk about it, there's not a clear cut answer. So let's add a bit to that ambiguity, right? What are your feelings about uh, the the concept that the best cyber defense is cyber offense? That's an interesting question. You know, um, when it comes to security testing and evaluation, we take offensive and defensive positions. But generally speaking, civilians don't engage in offensive cybersecurity. So when we talk about offensive uh, cybersecurity, we're really talking about penetration testing and ad adversarial threat simulations and using the tools, techniques, and procedures of threat actors to test this, the effectiveness of your security. So are you on this? So what side do you fall on? Ah, not, not, now you're asking a trickier question. You know, the funny thing is when it comes to uh, pen testing versus your preventative uh, security measures, um, Pen testing is more fun and it has a definite role, but in the end, you need a comprehensive uh, cybersecurity uh, organization. And, and really there are four parts uh, to uh, a comprehensive. Uh, you have your, um, your readiness part, which is all about getting ready for the various threats. Then you have your testing component to make sure that you actually are ready. And then you have your response uh, section when, when you deal with failures to security. Uh, and then over it, you have your governance mechanism. And all four, if they really operate well together, you know, uh, give you one whole. So how's that for evading your question? You make a great politician because you definitely didn't answer the question. <laughs> hey folks, Editing Andrew here. I know, different background, different hair, but I'm actually traveling on the road this week. And one of the, my favorite things to do when I travel is sit down and listen to my favorite podcast, which reminds me, did you know that the Cyber Guys are now available on all major podcasting platforms? That's right. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the rest. You can find the Cyber Guys there. Take us with you wherever you're going. Just search for Cyber Guys on your favorite podcast platform. That's Cyber Guys, two words, not one. And if you like seeing our wonderful faces, keep watching us on the YouTube channel. Just remember to do all the YouTube things, like and subscribe. Now that that's over, back to the episode. And so there's a straw man. There's a straw man argument here that cyber offense is key and something that's been missing for the last 30, 40 years in the, the overall development of cybersecurity as a whole, right? There's a straw man argument that not enough is done, not enough retaliation is conducted to, you know, against bad actors. There's not enough deterrence out there. Do you see any any value? In that argument, though, you know, deterrence is uh, a factor, 
But do you, you know what the real value of penetration testing is? It actually convinces the governance component, the leaders, the managers, that they're not doing all that they should do. That's really its most important value, scaring the bejeebies out of the information owners and system owners and you know senior leaders. Uh, we need to perpetually scare them because they're going to quickly think, hey, we've done this. We're good. So you got to have both. But you know what the biggest problem with um, offensive uh, uh, techniques uh, in evaluating your security? The biggest problem is the fact that you only need to find one way in to succeed in a, um, in a penetration test. Uh, and really, the penetration test is over as soon as you get in. You've proved that you can get in, which means that how many other ways were there to get in? Who knows? The test is over once you get in. So a lot of organizations make the mistake of um, doing pen testing way too soon. First, you got to get your house in order, then test it. It's not that you have to start by getting your house in order. You have to start by assuming that you're going to get uh, attacked in the first place and that that attack is going to be successful. I think you have to begin from a starting position, assuming that uh, you're going to have vulnerabilities. And that's the problem. That's the problem. From there, you have because that, there the, a lot of leaders there, just don't believe it. They don't believe it until they see it. it it's kind of like what we talked about in our, in, in our premiere episode. You know, security can be a delusion. And very often it is. You got a lot of organizations that say, hey, we have an X size cybersecurity budget. We're spending a ton of money on this. We must be okay because of the money we're spending. That's, if you want a straw argument, that's the, 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 the most, you know, flammable argument you could ever possibly have because it's ridiculous. You, you could be wasting all that money that you're spending. There's no guarantee that just because you're spending X amount of money and, and you're hiring, you know, however many people uh, and dedicating them to the role of cybersecurity analyst, that doesn't mean jack if you're not doing effective ST&E, uh, security testing and evaluation. So we got to have both sides. You got to have uh, your offensive side to really test the veracity of that confidence. Uh, but you got to have the uh, defensive side that's trying to be really comprehensive and looking at the whole attack surface and figuring out what are all the different possible ways a threat actor could possibly penetrate this security that we're so confident in. Well, what about the argument that, you know, you can only build your walls so high, right? You can only def you can only build your defense by so much. You're always going to have people trying uh, to attack you. Why not act um, offensively? Why not let the dogs loose, so to speak? Why not allow people to to give as much as they're getting with regards to you know cyber attacks and and hackers? And you know, bad it's because it's asymmetric warfare. It's not even. I mean, the large organization with the you know sweet valuable assets um, that can be taken, stolen, compromised in various ways, uh, they're valuable. Uh, if you go and actually hack back at some, you know, rogue sitting in a, in a Russian basement somewhere, what assets are you going to get a hold of? <laughs> so 
it's it's so asymmetric that retaliation doesn't even give you anything because what you're putting at risk is much much more valuable than anything you you could recover in in the counterattack. So even just from that perspective, it's it's not it's probably a fool's errand in most cases. Well, I, I do. I think that there is a level of asymmetric. Uh, or, uh, of, no, no, don't get me wrong. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm talking about cybercrime. But now, uh, nation states are, are 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 more. There's there's more parity, uh, and a retaliation makes makes more sense. But but I'm talking about cybercrime, where very often it's asymmetric. And and as we've kind of talked about in in past episodes, that you know, often the worlds of cybercrime and uh, nation state actors are backed actors. Uh, kind of meld. They 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 go back and forth, um, and it gets a little muddy. And I think a really easy argument against solely relying or primarily relying on cyber offense is you know escalation, right? The 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 real risk of actual uh, of, of escalatory attacks. Um, I don't think there's ever been. I'm not a history buff. Uh, I'm not a warfare history buff, you know, despite what my, my bookcase says, you know, I'm not an expert in those fields, but I don't know that there's ever been a actual offensive deterrence that stopped espionage, that stopped uh, uh, nation states from actually going out and, and trying to find more information or, you know, through reconnaissance or to, you know, perhaps be a thorn in the side of of other nation states or their perceived enemies. I don't think that's ever occurred. And so rely I think the uh, an easy argument against solely relying on cyber offense is just that. It's not an effective tool against hackers whether they be cyber criminals or or you know yeah, nation states. It, it really threats. isn't. It's it's principal value is as a technique internally for developing your own defenses. Uh, the, the more we observe and, and collect uh, uh, threat intelligence on the tools, techniques, and procedures, the TTPs of these threat actors, uh, the better we can simulate those threats and do, you know, what the military calls survivability testing. You know, I mean, uh, before uh, the military wants to field some new system, uh, they're going to not just look to make sure that it's feasible, that it's functional. Uh, but they want to make sure that it's survivable, uh, that in the threat landscape, whatever that threat landscape is, uh, that this system can actually uh, show resilience uh, to the most likely threats that are coming against it. So the only way to really evaluate that after doing comprehensive engineering is to bang it, to hit it, to, to come at it with everything that you could imagine a threat actor uh, being able to do. Uh, but the Achilles heel is still this. Unless you do really comprehensive penetration testing, uh, you can miss something uh, if, if you don't let your um, imagination uh, meet the very, very bleeding edge of capability. How do we go about assuming or understanding the full capabilities of a bad actor? A, a lot of organizations don't even understand or have a concept of what threat hunting is. Right. And that's that's a key component here is having uh, some kind of um, internal source that can uh, commit to researching and understanding what not only what the known threats are, but what the actual capabilities of those threats are, uh, 
can be. Well, you know, we, we sometimes apply that term threat hunting um, more broadly uh, to to really just uh, analysis of, of indicators of compromise. I mean, you know, threat hunting basically begins with theorizing. You, you, you know your system, you look at your system and you're saying, OK, I don't know of any uh, current threat intelligence of this, but what if uh, someone were to do X, Y, and Z uh, with my system? Never seen it before, but let's just test that out uh, as a possible vector. And then basically you explore that, look for um, IOCs, look for indicators of compromise that match up uh, with that theory of uh, a threat. And then you uh, evaluate whether or not uh, something like that has even been exploited. So uh, there are levels of threat hunting that you can do without necessarily running a, a 24-7 military class SOC. Uh, you know, it's really, it's really almost a, a um, uh, proactive forensic analysis. That's really all uh, uh, threat hunting is. You know, instead of waiting after the fact to say, okay, what did happen? You're, you're theorizing, well, what could happen? Uh, and you're, you're, you're looking for indicators of compromise before you even have any reason to believe that they're there. Uh, that kind of um, approach is, 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 is an important component in the overall cocktail of security. Yeah, and, and there are real proponents out there with a lot of arguments from very qualified individuals that every organization should have their own cyber or should have their own threat hunting capabilities and they're an apparatus that is actively pursuing known threats, actively engaging real threats to learn not only what the capabilities are of those of those uh, bad actors, but also to deter them in a way. I think that's extremely unrealistic to, to number one, assume that organizations have the resources to, to put towards that, whether they be um, monetary or expertise. I also think that it's extremely dangerous because there is the gray area, there is that that eth legal and ethical um, uh, muck that you can get into. Uh, you can, even if you are retaliating in response to an uh, a, an ongoing uh, a cyber attack, there's the the legalities are not there. The law has not caught up with 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 the uh, with the current landscape. There was a there is a bill. That's in Congress. It has been muddled around since I think 2018 or 2019. Uh, it's called the Active Cyber Defense Cyber Act, the ACDC, right? And essentially, what that would do is give organ people uh, some kind of cover with regards to uh, being prosecuted for committing fraud uh, or computer abuse um, in retaliation of a cyber hack. That's a start, but again, that's still not the law of the land yet. So there's this big gray area. So when we talk about, hey, what is the best way uh, to, to do this? Are we going to be on the defense? Are we going to be solely on the offense? The truth is a little bit of both, but honestly, a lot less of offense because you're really maintaining your internal, you're, you're keeping the scope almost internally um, with regards to how you're actually going out and, and, and finding these kinds of uh, uh, real risks uh, that, that are associated with, with right. operating. Um, generally speaking, it's always going to be illegal to engage in any sort of hacking without uh, a good old-fashioned get-out-of-jail get out rules of engagement letter uh, by whoever owns the target system. So if you don't have permission, it doesn't matter if they hacked you. It's always illegal uh, to, to retaliate 
if you're if you're not a nation state acting against a nation state, even that may violate international law. Uh, it's it's why we call it cyber warfare. <laughs> you know, so it's none none of this is really uh, within the ethical bounds. Uh, but at the same time, the skill set is is critical to have and develop. Uh, it's one of the reasons why a lot of a lot of companies will um, put out bounties uh, to get folks from the hacker community to come and hit their system and try to break in because you don't really know if it's survival until someone using the actual TTPs of potential threat actors are using those very same techniques uh, to see if this system is as good as we imagine it would be. You know, I, I, I've been on both sides. You know, I'm a certified ethical hacker, but I'm also a programmer. And sometimes when you're programming, um, you're building the application thinking, yeah, this is, this is rock solid. I've, 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 thought, I've thought of everything. And then, then all of a sudden you find that there's a logical error uh, not a syntactical error, a logical error. And, and, and for those that, that, that aren't following my, uh, my semantics there, uh, syntactical error is, is breaking the rules of uh, the code. Um, but a logical error is basically violating the rules of logic. In other words, uh, you're saying something that evaluates as false when it should actually evaluate as true. And you didn't know that it was going to evaluate as false in some situation. Uh, so those are like, you know, a logical errors. And the thing is, you can't always see logical errors because maybe the combination of um, variables that leads you to um, a, a, a non-true is some combination of factors uh, that you never imagined. You know, it's, it's one, one of the reasons why we do uh, uh, cer certain types of, of testing, uh, where we intentionally throw bad data at information just to see, you know, what, 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 what will it do if it gets uh, data that it's not intended to receive. Uh, that sort of thing. But but the point is, in all systems, there's always a blind side. There's always uh, something that the designer, the engineer, the architect, the, the, the coder, someone didn't think of that. Yeah. And, and really what we're all talking about, we can really just kind of couch all of this in the realm of prevention. Right. I, I think and I think ultimately think that's the answer here. And, and you're going to put prevention into the into a into the realm of cyber defense as a tactic, right, is, is prevention. But ultimately, that's the, really the best answer uh, when dealing with this. Going uh, to a place where you are actively engaging known threats is probably a very bad idea in the current landscape. Um, but ultimately, you have to know what the capabilities of, of those threat actors are. So yeah, pen testing comes into play. So. Pen testing is very, very effective. However, how effective is it if it's all in house? Here's what I and that here's what I mean by that. If you have a in-house net, network penetration team or in-house um, IT uh, that conducts these types of assessments, how effective are the results and of the those assessments? Not very, very much. Because again, you're limiting your pool of expertise uh, just by the limitations of your own budget. Uh, again, it's why there's a whole there's a whole community of, um, of of ethical hackers, white hat hackers out there uh, that give you a much larger pool of of, of folks to uh, uh, to look at. In fact, that's one of the things we do uh, in our company. You know, uh, we set up um, basically cyber ranges, and then we uh, hire out independent contractors to attack uh, a system that we've put out. And that system may be modeled after 
somebody's internal system as a way of just testing and evaluating the quality of the security design. Uh, now, this has to happen after you've already done all the security baseline hardening and all the, uh, the best practices that everyone expects you to do. We don't want to uh, put something out there that has an obvious vulnerability that would show up on a Nessus scan, uh, but we do want to actually... Vulnerability scan. Right. On a vulnerability scale. Right, exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, what about the architecture itself? What are the vulnerabilities in the information flows as they're designed uh, that could be exploited by uh, a bad actor with sophisticated uh, skills? Yeah, that, that's this is where your external third parties come to play. Having somebody outside the company, outside of the organization, come inside with a very clear set of rules, right? Rules of engagement that are established and you know, hey, this is the level of um, this is the level of penetration we're going to be going through, right? Um, that's extremely uh, uh, effective as opposed to just having some type of uh, in-house blue team go through, right? You want to have uh, some type of third-party um, site on this, but what we're really talking about is just over is just external governance to some way, in some way, shape, or form, right? Uh, having everything being established in-house is, as you've said in the past, kind of creates this, um, the Putin effect. Don't tell me bad. Don't tell me anything bad. Just tell me all the good news. Right. So you have to go outside to get that kind of clear and honest, um, uh, evaluation uh, of, of the current state. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's no question. You, you brought up, you brought up blue teaming and just, just to give all this, I, I know many in our audience, you know, already know what that is, but you know, uh, in, in, in red team, blue team testing, what, what we're doing is we're basically setting up um, a, a, an attacker side and a, a defender side. So blue teams are the defenders, red teams are the attackers. Basically, whoever succeeds is the winner. So it's almost like a, a, a cyber war games. Uh, the idea is you can't be all offense and no defense in, in, in a red team test. You can't be all defense and all offense. If you can actually bring in a very, very highly skilled red team and your blue team can uh, fend them off and deal them off, that would be a good uh, uh, descriptor of successful um, cybersecurity. Um, so it can't be all one side or the other. And that's really why I was kind of evasive in the beginning. We need both. You need the red team. You need the blue team. You need them to go at it. And the red team ultimately makes the blue team better. The better the red team, the better the defense. And as we say in football, defense wins championships. <laughs> uh, they didn't. They didn't uh, last year in the in the AFC Championship game, but that's okay. The game of football has rules. It has a set. Uh, it has a book with set rules. There's an officiating, and the goal for winning, the win conditions are clear. You got to score more points than your opponent. But in the real world, uh, and in the cyberspace, right. Uh, win conditions are a lot less uh, clear, right? What does it mean to win for a nation state um, as a threat agent? It's 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 not always toppling your opponent. It's not make it's not uh, diff completely defeating them. And a lot of cyber cyber games, it's just a uh, steal the flag uh, operation. You know, if 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 you get this piece of information, you win. Um, and in the real world, it's not unlike that. In, in uh, you know, cyber espionage, 
if you can actually get the secret plans to the stealth fighter jet, you win. You know, that's what you were after. You got it. So the, the, the analogy works in some cases, but I think the best place to use that analogy is when you're doing your testing, organizational system testing, whether you're bringing in an outside team and you should always bring in an outside team or not. Uh, that, that's the only place where that analogy has any, any, any basis in reality, because that's, that's when you're actually applying, like you said, a set of rules, uh, boundaries, officiating, limitations in the wild no yeah and, and i do think that there is a there is ultimately an over-reliance on uh test conditions and how you actually respond to the results of that of those uh of those tests there's an over-reliance on the rules i think um and the implementation of security controls in response to you know the discovered vulnerabilities oftentimes are based on, well, we have this set of rules. We have, you know, our right and left lateral limits. And, and that's really why it's so important to never look at any of these things as a panacea. You know, if we do that, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent of pen testing. I really am. But it's, it's no silver bullet. It's no panacea. It doesn't solve all the problems. And, and just like I mentioned earlier, one of the main problems is if you find just one way in, you're in and it doesn't really tell you, okay, you may think I fixed that one way that the pen testers used, but how many other ways in were there that they didn't even get around to because they got in the easy way, you know? So it's not a comprehensive analysis of uh, an organization's cybersecurity, but it does give you the ability to test your proactive measures. Uh, when, when you theorize and, and, and design security that you think will work, you need to test that and you need to test that in an adversarial scenario uh, because then you'll find if that worked or not. Now you find another way in, well, then, then you got to do another round. So in the end, uh, you got to go through multiple iterations of test analysis and uh, multiple techniques to comp uh, compromise the security that you think is going to keep your system safe. Here's the best thing I think about about that as well in terms of cyber defense when we talk about testing is it's always scalable. By its very nature, it's scalable. You can you, you can absolutely conduct testing uh, if you are a private entity, uh, if you have a single user, and you can conduct testing if you are an enterprise, you know, you provide enterprise type services or you're an enterprise uh, solution. You can test. Uh, in every single one of those environments, and you can shape the scope of the testing uh, and how rigorous that testing is to you know your actual organization, to the company, to uh, whatever standard uh, you want to use. And when you do not test at all, you have no ability to do that. You have no ability to scale. You have no ability to understand the real threats. You have no ability to see outside of your own boundaries. Myopia is always a problem, you know? And, and that's that's one of the problems, frankly, with the way a lot of IT organizations are siloed off. Everybody sees their piece, they don't see the other piece. And the idea is comprehensive solutions require comprehensive analysis. A lot of the vulnerabilities that we're seeing today in the modern uh, application of technology are not new. There are papers that were written in the 70s that really is just predicted every single vulnerability that we've kind of 
you know, th broadly experienced over the last 10 years. This is nothing new. This is just maybe going back to fundamentals, right? And the first computers that were, were uh, 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 built had username and password, right? And what did people do? They wrote the passwords down on sticky notes, slapped them on a keyboard, and we still have that today, right? So the known vulnerabilities, things that, that we see, uh, the way to prevent these things or the way to uh, limit the likelihood that a uh, vulnerability can actually be um, used in a data breach or in some type of attack rather, we know what to do. It's just applying the fundamentals, right? It's doing that basic risk analysis and then inevitably doing your, your penetration assessments, right? Trying to apply what real world threats are out there to the current state of a system. And, and, that, and in the end, all of that gets back to whether or not you're as secure as you think you are. Uh, a lot of organizations think they're secure, but they're fooling themselves. Uh, and the only way to really sometimes demonstrate that is to show them how easy it is to take over and take control and get access to things that they thought were secure. All right. I think that's where we're going to call it for today. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And remember, stay safe, be secure, and be sure. Next we'll see you next time.